Hey, welcome to Commando On Demand, your fast-paced weekly update straight from Kim's desk to your ears. I'm Mike James, and today, Kim is going to talk to an award-winning documentary filmmaker. And we've got the story of a lady whose ex stalked her, terrifying her for like five years, and how law enforcement couldn't do anything about it until they finally did resolve the situation after, like I said, five years. And they made a movie about it. That's coming up in just a few moments. And Google had some big announcements the other day. The Pixel 4, the Pixel 4 XL, Nest Wi-Fi, and even some Pixel Buds. You know, the little headphones. Well, we're going to talk about all these products, what they mean to you, how they compare to the Apple products, and a whole bunch more. Plus, you've seen the commercials, the amazing hamburger or ketchup, french fries, pie, you name it, where they're panning in slow motion and everything looks so absolutely amazing. Well, what is the technology behind those photos or moving video? We're going to talk to a guy that does that, maximizing his artistic ability with technology and using some of the most sophisticated cameras in the world to film everything from ketchup to candy. And he's doing it for Fortune 500 companies. We're going to talk to Stephen Geralt later on. Plus, we're right on the cusp. I mean, if you want to buy something electronic... You're probably thinking, should I wait till Black Friday and get a Predator price, or should I just go ahead and take it down? Well, Kim is going to talk about that and a crazy lawsuit against Fortnite. And last but not least, today's trivia question. Every week, we give you a little brain buster to keep you thinking. Do not go running for Google and look this up. That's no fair. Uh, Bluetooth is one of those technologies we use every day. It connects our smartphones to wireless earbuds, cars, mouses with laptops. Or Have you ever found yourself wondering why it was named Bluetooth? It's kind of a funny name for a wireless technology. Well, Bluetooth was actually named after a person. Now, here's the question. What kind of a position did the person that Bluetooth was named after hold? Was it a king, a dentist, an opera singer, or a computer engineer? This is a tough one. It's not as easy as you think. There's a little hint. Again, what position did the person Bluetooth was named after hold? Was it the king, dentist, opera singer, or computer engineer? The answer is coming up. And really quickly, by the way, this is not the Kim Commando Show. You can get the Kim Commando Show on a podcast by just going to getkim.com, become a Commando community member, and you can listen every week. Of course, on the Commando Show, we take your phone calls and questions and do the DIYs and get you the very latest news. Here, we dig a little bit deeper into some of those topics that come up on the radio show, but we really don't have time to cover. So, we'll get started in just a moment with Kim's interview with Cynthia Lowen. She's the award-winning documentary filmmaker... And she's come out with one called Netizens. It's a documentary film about women and online harassment, sometimes called revenge porn. In moments on Commando On Demand. Since our founding in 2000, we at the Center for Internet Security have always had one mission. It's to create confidence in the connected world for people, businesses, and governments. As a nonprofit, we do this by drawing upon our core competencies of collaboration and innovation. The world is changing, cyber threats are evolving, and IT resources are limited. All you want is a way to strengthen your cybersecurity programs efficiently and effectively. Let CIS help you with these efforts. We use a consensus-based process involving IT professionals from around the world to develop and maintain security best practices. 
These resources are proven to defend systems and data against threats, both on-premises and in the cloud. We also strive to help organizations of every size and maturity strengthen their cybersecurity programs. This includes serving U.S. state, local, tribal, and territorial government organizations. At CIS, we're all about making the connected world a safer place. Visit our website to learn more. It's Commando On Demand, where we talk to some of the most influential people in technology, the innovators that shape the future, and trailblazers who challenge and inspire us to do amazing things. This next lady is definitely that. She's made a documentary about online harassment, sometimes called revenge porn. Here's Kim. Stalkers, trolls, and other miscreants are online. Nearly one in five Americans have been subjected to particularly severe forms of harassment online. But the idea that cyber harassment is confined to the online world is an idea that has challenged my next guest here on the show today, writer and director Cynthia Lowen. And welcome to the show, Cynthia. I'm so glad that we could take some time to talk to us about your documentary, Netizens, and how you focus on women in particular are being targeted by harassment. We're going to be talking about all that, but first I'd like to know, what was the key moment for you that you said, you know what, I need to put this documentary together? Yeah, so thank you so much for having me on, Kim. It was in the fall of 2014 when there were several really high-profile attacks of women who were associated with the gaming industry. And what was happening is that their addresses were being posted online, there were death threats that were being sent to them, and what I was hearing was that there was very little resource recourse. Law enforcement wasn't responding. Uh, Tech companies weren't really responding. They were saying, you know, block those people. But in the meantime, there were these really violent threats that these women were experiencing. And I thought, this is something that I, I want to uncover. I want to delve more deeply into what's happening with violence online. It's something that so many of us see when we're online every day. And I felt that there was something bigger going on here. And so you focus on women. Tell us some of the stories that you've heard. So one of the main women who is in the film is a woman named Tina Riney. And when I met her, she had been going through four years of this situation that that had prevented her from getting a job. She was a very successful businesswoman. She graduated from Columbia Business School. She was a Wall Street commodities trader and she was dating somebody and they had put up all of these websites about her when she broke off the relationship. And the websites were filled with really reputation harming information that was intended specifically to prevent her from being able to get a job. And indeed, these sites and this ex-boyfriend of hers was very successful in destroying and derailing her career. And so she would go out for a job. She would get an interview. She's in finance. Of course, eventually they Google her and they would find this stuff that was just really, really damaging, really personal kinds of information. And she wasn't able to get it off the Internet. She wasn't able to get it off Google. And so she's one of the women who I followed for several years as she went through the struggle to try and get all of this reputation harming stuff off the Web. You know, as well as I do, if once something gets into Google... It's very, very difficult to get out. I mean, you can get lawyers, and uh, but yeah. still, then you have other sites that copy that content, and then they put it on their site and their site, and you're right. I mean, you bring up a really valid point. If you're going to interview with anybody, this, the next thing they're going to do is Google your name to see what pops up. Um, yes. You're, you also, I also understand that you there was a situation with a woman on Craigslist. 
Yes. So one of the other women in the film had met somebody on one of these dating sites and had decided that she did not want to go out on a date with this person. However, they had somehow, she suspects that they put keylogger software onto her phone, which had enabled them to get access to her photos, to all of her passwords. And so what they started doing was using these photos that they had stolen from her to advertise her for intimate encounters on Craigslist and other dating sites. And so once they would post her, they would then impersonate her to the ad to the people responding to the ads. And so this person was sending men to her workplace, oh, to her house. She had men trying to break her door down and coming up to her at her job saying, you know, I'm here for this date with you. And she would have to say, you know, no, I'm being impersonated by somebody on these websites. But it's very hard often in those situations to convince somebody that they have also been duped by the perpetrator. So it created a really dangerous situation. And she would go to Craigslist and say, please stop letting this person and advertise me in intimate encounters. These are fake ads. And for years, these ads were being posted, like 10 ads a week for like two to three years. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, same thing with law enforcement. She made numerous reports with law enforcement and law enforcement was kind of like, we don't know what to do about this. Turn off your computer, change your password. But of course, that's not gonna change anything when you have men showing up at your home thinking they're there for some kind of encounter with you. So how did she how did she solve that? What happened? So unfortunately, what happened is that she was able to get help through a lawyer named Carrie Goldberg, who's one of the other women in the film. Carrie started her law firm because she had been targeted and she was not able to find a lawyer to represent her herself when she was going through this. And she was an attorney at the time practicing elder law. And so she totally switched her focus to Internet privacy. So this young woman named Celia in the film went to Carrie and was able to get help from Carrie. And when they eventually figured out who the perpetrator was, she discovered that it was someone that she was, I can't say for sure who it was, but whoever it was that she discovered their identity, she then cut off all contact with law enforcement because she was ostensibly concerned for her safety. Now, do you think it has gotten worse because of social media? I think that the potential to use social media networks to target people to their friends and family is really powerful. So what you'll find in a typical, quote, revenge porn situation is you have the perpetrator gets hold of a photo or, you know, embarrassing information, and they then next start sharing that with your family, with your colleagues, with your employer. And these social networking platforms have made it super easy to know exactly who a person's close friends are, to know who their family are, and to impersonate them, to shame them, and to really easily share information to people where it will cause the most harm. Now, you also in the film have a 13-year-old girl, and that was really upsetting to me, what happened to her. Yes, absolutely. So the film opens on a really shocking circumstance where a 13-year-old girl has been sexually assaulted on her way home from school by another 13-year-old who films the assault and then starts spreading the video of the assault to other classmates in school. And so this young woman, this 13-year-old girl really, um, discovers that this video exists because she 
discovers people around her in the cafeteria watching it and around her in classes. And when she went to school officials to report this, the response from the officials was, your, you know, presence here in school is drawing more attention to these videos. You should just go home. We'll let you know when it's time for you to come back from school. That's terrible. Appalling. And, and of course, they never followed up with her. They never provided, you know, health care for her. They never provided counseling for her. And she was just left out there. And so, again, this this case was taken up by by Carrie Goldberg and Carrie successfully sued the New York City Department of Education on behalf of this girl for gender discrimination and Title IX civil rights violations. Wow. I mean, that's really telling because, you know, teenagers, they don't have the sense or the sensibility to really know what they're doing and the ramifications that this gal is going to have really for the rest of her life. Absolutely. As Carrie said, you know, imagine having a video of the worst thing that's ever happened to you and that is going to follow you for the rest of your life. Well, I'll tell you, it's a it's a powerful, powerful documentary, and we're going to be posting links to it at the site. and And thank you for putting it together, really, because it, it took nerve and money and funding and passion and belief, and you were able to pull it all off and be a successful documentary producer and and really have an impact on people's lives. And at the end of the day, that's what life's about, right? Yeah, I mean, I. I'm grateful to the women who came forward to share their stories. It really took a lot of courage. And so, you know, I couldn't do this as a filmmaker without those courageous women. And thank you again. You know, in almost all cases, cyber bullies are less likely to feel guilty for what they do because, well, they aren't having face-to-face encounters with their victims. It's so easy to get caught up in the daily drama, the online world, and social media. And if you're looking for a safe community where you connect with like-minded people... Uh, Join me at the Commando Community. You can make friends, you can stay informed, and get exclusive access to my show. You can learn more and check it out at commando.com slash community, and I'll see you there. Well, just ahead, Google came out with a bunch of new products the other day. You might have heard about it, the Google Pixel 4 and 4XL, and uh, they've got some new headphones and... There's a rumor swirling about a new Google app that's pretty cool. I'm going to tell you all about that, how it affects you in just moments on Commando On Demand. All right, this may sound like a crazy question, but do you or anyone in your family play the online video game Fortnite? And if so, would you consider the game addictive? Here's the reason why. A group of parents in Canada are planning, get this, a major class action lawsuit. Okay, the basis of this lawsuit, if it gets filed, and it probably will, is that Fortnite is, in the parents' words, as addictive as cocaine. Could you believe that? Well, two Quebec parents want big damages and money and refunds from Fortnite's creators. They say that their kids, a 10-year-old and a 15-year-old boy, they played 1,800 games and 7,000 games respectively, sometimes staying up to 3 in the morning. They withdrew from their family, didn't want anything to do with them. And they also refused to take any baths or showers, which may sound like just what teens do. Anyway, what happened to parents just marching into the kids' rooms, taking away the television, seizing the smartphone, the tablet, the Xbox, the gaming systems, and the computers until these children actually obeyed their parents? Just my thoughts. You might want to try that before going to court. 
Can't get enough of Kim's tips, tricks, and tech news? Watch season three of the Kim Commando Show on Bloomberg TV, Saturdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, or catch the latest episode at commando.com slash TV. Since our founding in 2000, we at the Center for Internet Security have always had one mission. It's to create confidence in the connected world for people, businesses, and governments. As a nonprofit, we do this by drawing upon our core competencies of collaboration and innovation. The world is changing, cyber threats are evolving, and IT resources are limited. All you want is a way to strengthen your cybersecurity programs efficiently and effectively. Let CIS help you with these efforts. We use a consensus-based process involving IT professionals from around the world to develop and maintain security best practices. These resources are proven to defend systems and data against threats, both on-premises and in the cloud. We also strive to help organizations of every size and maturity strengthen their cybersecurity programs. This includes serving U.S. state, local, tribal, and territorial government organizations. At CIS, we're all about making the connected world a safer place. Visit our website to learn more. Well, Google had their big event the other day, announced some new products, and I'm going to go over them for you, see how they compare to Apple and some of the others that are out there. First, they announced their Pixel 4 and Pixel 4 XL. Now, much has been leaked about both of these phones and designs and hardware in recent months, but we actually now have official specs on availability for Google's latest device. Much like its competitor at Apple, the Pixel 4 features a triple telephoto lens uh, for better zoom and clearer image quality. The phone also comes equipped with specialized machine learning algorithms that optimize the photos for clarity to the point that, if this is kind of cool, is you can even photograph stars and planets in the night sky with the Pixel phones. Uh, Design-wise, the phone ditches the camera notch found in many of its competitors. You know, people have been barking about that forever. I don't know what the big deal is, but anyway... Does have a sleeker, continuous display. In spite of this, the phone still retains facial recognition biometrics. What's new, though, is a gesture recognition interface that allows users to navigate their phone without even touching it. That's, again, pretty cool. Pixel 4 and its larger cousin, the Pixel 4 XL, will be available on October 24th. Price about 800 bucks for the Pixel, and then the XL is going to be 900 bucks. Oh, look, look who's sounding like Apple all of a sudden. Google does Wi-Fi with the Google Nest Wi-Fi and the Google Nest Mini. If you've got Wi-Fi at home and it's just not quite the speed that you want, these products may be a way to speed up that Wi-Fi. Uh, Google announced something special for those of us who want faster internet and want to step into the world of smartphones. The new Google Nest Wi-Fi is designed to act as a full-fledged router, but also can pair with a second unit to expand the range of Wi-Fi in your living space. Router also comes bundled with Google Assistant, which gives the handy voice AI access to your devices and appliances, much like the Amazon Echo family of products. Plus, they integrate with existing Nest products that you already own. Google Nest Wi-Fi starts at about $269 for a router and extender two-pack. For $349, you can get a three-pack with two extenders. They'll be available for purchase on November 4th, just in time for Christmas. How about that? Nest Mini, which acts as an expansion for Google Assistant for other parts of your home, retails for $49, and that's going to be available on October 22nd. All right, something several people were pretty excited about, not to be outdone by Samsung and Apple. Google also decided to release a pair of sleek-looking wireless buds 
of their own. They're called the Pixel Buds 2, little headphones, newly re-engineered and finally cable-free and boast five hours of continuous battery life. This can be expanded to 24 hours when paired with the included charging case. Not only are these new buds good-looking and comfortable, but they also come equipped with Google Assistant for handy features like real-time translation. They're the perfect companion for the frequent flyers among us. The one thing that's kind of a bummer is these are not coming out till the spring of 2020, but the retail price is going to be about $180. Okay, well, let's talk real briefly about the Google Pixel Book Go. It's Google's laptop hardware has been extremely popular among folks in business and education for a good reason. They're cheap, durable, and secure from much of the malware that's going around on the web today. Now, Google is releasing the latest version of their Pixel Book series. It's called the Pixel Book Go, and the new laptop is a full $350 cheaper than the previous Pixel Book model, retailing at $650. It features a rugged exterior case with a matte finish for easier gripping. Also comes packed with a new quieter keyboard, 16 gigabytes of RAM, and 256 gigabytes of storage. So how does all this compare to Amazon and Apple's new products? Both Apple and Amazon are looking like serious contenders this year with their slate of products, but Google isn't a company to sleep on. Company is diving deep into Google Assistant and the new Nest family of products. Looks to give Alexa a run for the money. By acting as a router, especially a router with name recognition, you can expect Google Assistant to be adopted to many more homes in the coming months. And that's not even counting the mobile side of things, where the Google Pixel 4 is definitely a nicer price than the Apple 11 phone. The camera lacks the wide-angle lens found on the iPhone 11, but Apple's onboard AI doesn't seem nearly as refined as Google's processing option. Finally, uh, something on a quick rumor. Uh, Google accidentally revealed images for a game-changing app that just might save somebody's life. Uh, It was confirmed by researchers at XDA Developers. Google had prematurely uploaded screenshots of this app in the Google Play Store. The app is now called Personal Safety. And here's the kicker. It is set to feature real-time crash detection. So if you crash your car, and even if you're unconscious, the app apparently will call 911. We'll know more about it hopefully soon, and that is kind of a game changer. So we'll see. Still to come, Steve Geralt is a photographer who uses high-tech cameras to take those images that you see in commercials of like super juicy hamburgers or fries or ketchup or whatever the case may be. We're going to talk to him about his craft and how he uses technology to perfect it in moments on Commando On Demand. And Black Friday, can you believe it, is right around the corner. And according to BlackFriday.com, you'll see some of the lowest prices of the year on TVs for those early doorbuster deals. But keep in mind, TV prices sometimes go even lower as we get closer to the Super Bowl. As far as appliances go, you can't always predict when you're going to need something new. But if it's not an emergency, you want to wait until Black Friday. It's always like Best Buy, Macy's, and maybe even Sears have some deals and Target. Always hold off on buying any type of electronics, Amazon Echo, Google Nest speakers, along with gadgets like smart locks and video doorbells and smart thermostats. If you're in the market for a new smartphone, last year we got gift cards as discounts, or there were also BOGO, buy one, get one free. 
And over at commando.com, we've already started our Black Friday coverage. And so if you're not already signed up for our newsletters, make sure that you are. Uh, We send a whole slew of newsletters. You can sign up for just the ones you want. Head over to commando.com. That's K-O-M-A-N-D-O.com. And there at the top, there's a blue button that says, get the free newsletters. And you're smart. That's where you click. Worried about your privacy and your Amazon Echo? In Kim's new ebook, How to Use Your Amazon Echo Tips and Tricks, you'll learn how the pros use Alexa and still maintain privacy. Get advice you can trust. Search Kim Commando on your Kindle to get your copy now. Still to come on Commando on Demand in answer to our trivia question. Of course, Bluetooth is everywhere, but have you ever wondered why it's named Bluetooth? Well, surprise, it was actually named after a person who was either a king, a dentist, an opera singer, or a computer engineer. The answer, coming up. Right now, we talk to Stephen Geralt, who is a, well, he's a photographer. But uh, as we're going to hear, he's got his very fine niche. Here's Kim. When you think about robotics, well, you envision, say, manufacturing plants, right? And we always hear about robots taking over our future and our lives and our jobs. Well, when I saw this incredible video that was done by Steve Geralt, I just knew, I just knew we needed to have him on the show because what Steve is doing with robotics and photography is mind-blowing. It just is, Steve. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Kim. Great to be here. So what made you think of using robotics for still photography? Uh, Well, basically, it came down to the fact that humans aren't that accurate. Um, robots are way better at repeating actions. And the, the timeline I work in is usually very, very short um, as we're doing splashes and, you know, explosions and all sorts of things with fruit and food. Um, so I only have like a half second for this whole thing to kind of take place. So robots are really good at making things happen right on time. And so one of the robots I saw had a conveyor belt with ice cubes and was holding a glass, pouring coffee with the ice cube, tilting it down. Then it came down into a, like a white platform. How long did it take you to put that together? <laughs> uh, we're pretty proud of that one. Um, that was pretty much a day of getting all the timing right and kind of planning the whole shot out um, with me and everybody that works for me here in my studio. Um, yeah, the, the the adding of the background that the cup landed on was really a nice touch to to really finish off um, that shot where it wasn't just pouring coffee and then milk and ice. It was also landing perfectly on a white surface. <laughs> so um, there's definitely a challenge. So how did you find the robotics to use? Where did you find them? Uh, you know, the internet is a great place. Um, basically, years, a few years ago, I started Wanting to do this burger video. I don't know if you've seen that one. But oh, that's amazing. You know what? The burger video is the best. And I have to tell you, I've <laughs> seen that burger commercial. And I always thought to myself, how the heck did they get everything? And I thought for a moment it was CGI. Right. Yeah, a lot of people do. But that's the main reason I, I release a lot of my behind the scenes so that people could know that this is actually being done by some crazy man for real, uh, such as myself. Um, but yeah, basically when I went to do that shot, I learned that there's no way a human could physically move the camera as fast and as accurately as I needed. So I kind of looked around and I found that there's actually just about two companies in the whole world that make, uh, robots specifically for moving cameras at high speed. And so how much does a rig like that cost? 
the big one that we put the camera on most of the time is actually right behind me, right there, um, is about one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Wow. Not including the camera. That's just the robot. <laughs> yeah. And then also tell us about the lights. Uh, well, yeah. Another challenge we had was um, the lighting that we need when we're shooting super high speed, which is slow motion when you play it back, is we need a lot of light because, uh, you know, I don't know if people that use cameras know about shutter speed, but we're shooting at about one two thousandth of a second shutter speed. So that's a lot of light we need. So we hated what was available, which is are these huge 10,000, 20,000 watt lights. So we started making our own LEDs that are super high power and fit in the size of like my hand um, so that we could actually move them around with the robot and not get in the way of the robot as it's trying to move around and do cool camera angles. Uh, so we actually built this whole MOSFET-based power system um, to make our own lights and power them to be flicker-free. You know, that is truly amazing. So um, who are some of your clients? Um, I work a lot with uh, coffee clients like Dunkin' Donuts and Starbucks or soda like Pepsi or uh, alcohol brands like Jack Daniels. Um, and in the past, also food clients like Kraft or like uh, um, Heinz and stuff like that. Yeah, lots of major brands. And so now with the robotics, where do you think it's going to go next? Oh, man, I'm so excited. Um, you know, we're, we're trying to get the robots to be a little smarter is kind of our goal. Um, tra traditionally speaking, they're kind of dumb robots right now. They tell like we say, you know, go really fast that way and it hits a wall. It'll just do what we tell it. Um, so we're working a lot on trying to work on what's called robot vision, um, where we could actually, the robot could actually see what it's doing and actually act on, you know, in, in kind of basically using AI. So that gets a lot smarter. And then we could actually say, Hey, instead of me telling you where to go, I want you to get that one thing and move it to a certain spot. So, so I'm curious, because you're very technical, so this is so cool because I get to ask you like these uh, brainiac questions. Um, what's powering the robot? What, what software are you using to power the robots? Yeah, so the, the big robots um, are using this software called Flare. Um, it's actually made by Mark Roberts Motion Control, which is the company that actually sold us the whole uh, boat robot. Um, it's really very featureful and very not so nice and easy to look at if you were just a regular person. It's a lot of numbers and stuff. Um, so that's the, the software we use for the main robot. And we also use this software called Dragon Frame um, to run some of the other auxiliary motors and stepper motors and stuff like that. That is so awesome. That is so incredible. So when you start talking about futures and the robots moving around and the AI, <laughs> and do you think that you'll ever be replaced? <laughs> nope, nope, I don't think so. <laughs> um, the, the hope is that, you know, the, before anything else, before technology, before robots, um, I'm a storyteller and I'm a creative storyteller. Um, and I think that's something a lot of people kind of get confused by because they see all the technical stuff, but they don't realize I'm only using it because I want to tell a particular type of story. Um, so I think that's creativity is a hard thing to, to teach a robot. Or artificial intelligence. I mean, you can only go so far. I mean, that's it. Steve, thanks so much for joining us and sharing your talents and your success with us. I mean, you're truly an inspiration where you started out as a photographer and now you're just like the photographer on steroids. <laughs> thanks so much. It was really a pleasure to be here. And you can learn more about Steve and follow him on Instagram. And if you ever see something really cool in technology, hey, you know what? Share it with me. Head over to commando.com. And at the bottom of every single page, there's a link that says, contact us.
Well, I know you've been racking your brain for the answer to our trivia question, so here you go. Bluetooth is a technology we see every day. We use it for cars and earbuds, and even the mouse on your computer probably uses Bluetooth. But have you ever found yourself wondering why it was called Bluetooth? Well, Bluetooth was actually named after a person. Now, here's the question. What position did that person that Bluetooth was named after, what kind of a position did he hold? Was it king, dentist, opera singer, or computer engineer? If you guessed the answer A, king, yeah, you moved to the front of the line. Named after 10th century Danish king Harold Bluetooth, who was known for uniting people. Like Bluetooth unites devices. Yeah, let's see where they get that, I guess. As far as tech itself, Bluetooth connects all kinds of devices like your phones, headphones, and computers it shares data and audio with a range of usually about 30 feet up to 400 feet, depending on devices. The latest version of Bluetooth is 5.0, which rolled out in 2016. If you're wondering how common Bluetooth is these days, there are 4 billion devices with Bluetooth tech built in. And that's just the tech that's shipping this year alone. Hey, thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe. Do it right now while you're thinking about it. So you get these podcasts automatically loaded to your device every single week. And here's Kim with some final thoughts. We all have that relative, the one who drinks too much, the one who talks politics all the time, or worse, drinks and talks politics. Maybe it's the person who just can't seem to get it together. In the past, you'd have family get-togethers and chalk it up to at least, you'd have to see that person again for a while. Not so much anymore because of social media. A wedding picture went viral for all the wrong reasons. A bride posted a photo to Facebook's group and asked for anyone who could Photoshop her cousin as the guest turned up in a very tight, very short, dark green dress. The newlywed even offered to pay whoever successfully covered her relative's chest, made the dress longer, and made her stomach smoother. Have we really gotten that shallow in our pursuit of social media likes? This is real life. Not everyone will conform to your standards. Not everyone is perfect. Granted, the cousin could have made a better choice, especially for a wedding. The dress goes to show you that one size does not fit all. Keep your digital know-how going. Find your local radio station that broadcasts my show, along with more DIY how-tos and tips, videos. We have free news alerts delivered from me to your email address, along with the Commando community, where you can blog and ask your tech questions on our website. That's commando.com, and I'll see you right here next week.